Hello and welcome back to A Pint with Peter, a podcast where I sit down with my friend Russell and his dad Peter and try to bridge the intergenerational gap. This week we are continuing on our journey with punk. Peter talks about the punk bands he saw in Manchester and we ponder what makes a good punk band name. So let's get back to it. So I, I saw I saw the Stranglers and I thought they were amazing. They're absolutely amazing because of, because of the energy and because of the power and uh, they're also very sexy. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you, have you ever neither of you are homosexual either. But <laughs> have you ever, have you ever watched bands and you, you can see? Well, you haven't told me about it. I mean, you've been looking at them and think, wow, I can see why that guy, or it could be a woman, is is a sex. God or goddess. Have you ever seen a band where you felt that? Where they are definitely sensual or sexy? I mean, my top singer at the minute, Machine Gun Kelly, I can look at him and go, oh yes, he's an attractive young man. Oh. Even though he's our age. I mean, funnily enough, you know, Andy in America, he um, sent me a few pictures recently of uh, promotional pictures as when he was in a band, when he had long hair <laughs> and uh, tongue-in-cheek. He, he was saying to me, yeah, I think I was quite gorgeous. I, I think he said, and we had a laugh about it, he said, oh, I'd fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird kind of homoeroticism. I mean, it's self-love, I guess it is. But... Um, in the same, that was an actual experience where I, I saw the Stranglers, but a couple of months later, when punk was really taking off, you had um, this kind of permission that you got through the newspapers to actually throw stuff and to spit. You with me? And I, I went to, I can't even remember their name. I mean, the, the, these, the bands there, the, the, the nastier the name, the, the better you'd make you more attractive. But... Um, Oddly, the gig was in uh, the basement of Stafford General Hospital, believe it or not. It was a punk band, a local punk band. You know, four lads it was who were trying to make a living. And uh, it was like vaudeville. It was like cabaret. They were trying to play. And quite ordinary, decent people were spitting at them and stuff. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. How weird is that? They just about managed to get through the set. And I remember they played old standards, you know, you probably don't know, like, you know, Ride My Pony, and uh, they did a couple of Small Faces songs. You you remember I've mentioned Small Faces before. And even uh, Sex Pistols, for example, uh, I think John Lydon, when he was rehearsing to be in the Sex Pistols, I think he sang uh, a couple of Who songs my generation and if you know the song great yeah. song my generation substitute they are two outstanding singles and he also at the time would have sung um, alice cooper songs you know like schools out and i think the other one's called i'm 18 check them out but those are the kind of influences but um would, I, would I, they put their own twist on them or would it just be identical well the, the thing is early rock and roll you know eugene vincent's and so on and so forth your eddie cochran's it was raw it was direct it was powerful it was punchy and that's all that mattered and i guess you would try and put your twist on it but the thing is they're all basic 
I'm not a musician, but they're all basic three chord jobs. You know, hence the, I think, the influence of people like the Kinks. Uh, you Really Got Me, I've mentioned that before, and Them, which had Van Morrison in, funnily enough, uh, Gloria. And if you know the song Gloria, mm. you, you want to write these down, check them out. They're really good songs, Yeah, because one of my favourite things is when a pop-punk band does a cover of, say, it could even be a song from a musical. Yeah. And they do, like, a, a punk twist of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sometimes I say makes it sound a lot better, but yeah. that's probably because yeah. I'm more biased yeah. towards the pop punk. Yeah. So. I mean, I mean, what, what? Frankly, whatever you think of the Sex Pistols, and you know, I could really understand anyone uh, describing them as being vile and despicable, and so on. lyrically, because that's something I, I I do know about putting words together. Some of the songs are really cleverly constructed. If you look at that never mind the bollocks some of the songs are fantastic on it and the point is this is what the other bands couldn't do they they really uh synthesized and they got the kind of essence of what it was like to be a young person around that time you know what i'm saying this is how i feel and this what i'm looking at is shit and instead of pretending it's all fucking wonderful, I'm going to tell you it's shit. And that, that takes, in a way, a lot of balls, doesn't it, I think, um, to, you know, to make it interesting. Um, the Sex Pistols, you know, that famous gig at, at the Free Trade Hall, that obviously led to or, or the Manchester scene opening up. So when I was a kid, um, well, I wasn't a kid, was I? I mean, I was actually at college, and it was even after college, as I told you, when... Um, you know, obviously, I couldn't go around wearing bloody safety pins and so on and so forth, you know. And uh, I was also quite sporty as well, believe it or not. And so I don't think being sporty was a punk thing, was no. it? No. You know what I mean? You you had to be a bit of an idler, a waster, you know. And you, you had to kind of... Um, the whole vibe was centred around um, boredom and frustration and so on. But pinning this down... Great rock moments my my dad has experienced. Um, the Clash, there's a couple of The Clash albums there. That one is called London Calling, and I, I saw The Clash, and uh, they would have been showcasing the songs from that album. Hmm. And uh, believe it or not, a little piece of Manchester history, they played at Bellevue. I bet you guys don't even know Bellevue. Do you even know where Bellevue... Yeah. The Be- do you? Oh, do you? Yeah. It's um, well. where the dog track used to be. That's right, yeah. But it's not just the dog track. When, when I first came to Manchester, you know, people who know the city uh, will remember Bellevue. It was a massive, uh, if you want, entertainment complex. It had the Greyhounds. It had the um, Speedway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Speedway's still there. Speedway. It had a zoo. Wow. Huh. Yeah. I do. I it, ha- it had a zoo. Did I mean, you'll have to rub it out if, if, uh, if I've told you, like a lot of stuff, I've told you many times before. But um, I think, tell me, just erase it. But uh, I, around ooh, 76, 77, I guess it would be, I had um, a girlfriend. She was called Lavona. She was Welsh. And she lived in, um, I think, Wrexham believe it's on the way you guys went to college and um, 
she worked at a very trendy restaurant uh, called Jabberwocky, mm-hmm. tells you something about the period. But um, it wouldn't be allowed now. But when Bellevue Zoo was being shut down, you can guess what I'm saying. Think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have I told you? No, no. no Her restaurant was one of the restaurants that actually bought stuff like rhino, chunks of rhino, and uh, these exotic animals and served them up. Oh, not what I was expecting. Oh, really? Bear, I remember bear. They had bear steaks at one point, so... um... Hello, Chris here. Just a quick note on what Peter's just said about the animals being sold off to local restaurants for food. I've done some research and I can't find any actual evidence that this is true, but I have decided to keep this in as I think it's a nice little bit of urban legend to keep in. Anyway, back to the rest of the podcast. I'll speak to you at the end. The concert hall, I think it was called Elizabeth Hall, something like that. You can still see, um, because people... Don't forget, this is a pre-MTV age. That's what you've got to remember. So you 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 had top of the pops you had the old grey whistle test but and and you you just about in the early 80s because in in the UK we were actually forerunners you would have had the early uh, inception of videos in fact it's one of my deepest regrets funnily enough i think i told you before around that time i um used to go down and see um a friend in london and uh, two or three people he was living with two of them were actually starting a video company wow. you know it's inception yeah the other one as i've told you before was forming that band called Beatmasters, and they put this put them all together i'm just thinking i should have i should have said oh i'd, I'd like to ha- i'd like to find out more you know what i'm saying yeah. it's a missed opportunity like a missed opportunity but um if you, have you ever seen the clash perform like no. on, on video you want to watch it you want to watch it i mean that bados album covers uh show it i mean obviously a classic four piece um so you, you know you had your classic vocalist guitarist you know rhythm guitar lead guitar bass guitar and drums yeah and if you're into if you're into your kind of instruments like a lot of men are you know they had the fender telecaster the Gibson Les Paul and a Rickenbacker bass and it, the racket they made was unbelievable. They were fantastic, uh, fantastic front man. Uh, but I remember people like me, because I felt old, even though probably the guys on the stage were only a couple of years younger than me. And so I, I would have witnessed all this stuff from the back of the hall. You know what I'm saying? Right, we're at that age now, Chris. Yeah. Really that's, that's, that, that's when you had the pogoing. And pogoing obviously came from you being in a very, very confined space. And the only way you couldn't move to your left or right, the only way you could move was up. But what's interesting, going back to what I was trying to drive home to you a few minutes ago, I remember it. Um, You would not have looked completely out of place even then, 77, had you been wearing flares and had a bit of long hair, hmm. interestingly. But an absolutely iconic gig. And the, the other thing, you can't, well, you can see it in that other album uh, cover. That's, that's the original 
eponymous album, Clash the Clash. If you look at it carefully, they, they again were brilliant. London, London band, again. Um, Stranglers, Brom, you know, Bromley, basically London band. Sex Pistols, London band, are you with me? But they also, you can see it in that picture there, they also wear fashion icons. I was going to say, quite trendy outfit. Yeah, they, they bought their stuff, you know, partly from Vivian Westwood. I think it was called Seditionaries at that time. Um, so you had the, obviously you had the tapered trousers, and the trousers had zips all over them. The um, the jackets were quite iconic. And what's, what's, is it Coldplay? Is it Coldplay? Where they have, they make their own clothes. Is it Coldplay? Is it sounds it, like something Coldplay. Was it a band? It is Coldplay, isn't it? Well, they, as you, as you see, they had jackets, you know, beautifully tailored kind of jackets and shirts with uh, appliqued um, designs on them and so on. So they weren't just pretty good musicians who could play really well and, and you know, get a really good atmosphere. They were also iconic in terms of their style and presentation. Are you with me? Um, that was The Clash. I'd never, I never saw The Damned. The Damned was a Damned album there behind you. Um, they were the other iconic band. Um, so you had The Clash, obviously The Sex Pistols, they they were the biggest, I, I guess. But I'm coming on to the Manchester band soon. What and, uh, would you have what me and Chris would call pits at these gigs, where fighting would essentially? I, I think. I mean, I was just going to. I'm just going to go on to that. I'm just going to go on to that. Actually, I was going to tell you about another gig I saw. Um, Jumping what, ahead. What I've got. What I've, yeah. What I've got a picture here of is. Um, oh, the electric. This place. Ooh, ooh. Don't tell you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this place is called the Electric Circus. Yeah, you mentioned it in the last podcast. The Electric podcast. Circus. Um, if you go back to any kind of history of this period, most venues were something like that. That was in Collyhurst. Um, the venue I used to go to before that. They only lasted a couple of years, do you know what I mean, before they were shut down. Was it like an old cinema? Yeah, indeed. I was going to say, is it one of those venues where one night you would have <coughs> grandmas playing bingo? I don't, I think that's it. I think during the punk era that had disappeared. Uh, but on a couple of occasions, I went uh, to the electric circus. It was fucking heavy. And, uh, you know, I would have been okay because I, I wasn't. Um, Dressed in a provocative way, you know, I probably I obviously would have had straight trousers, and I had a pair of Doc Martins. I had a, a basic leather jacket, but I certainly didn't have a Mohican or anything. But Collyhurst around that time was really, really heavy, and you, you could have easily got your head kicked in, man, if uh, if you weren't careful. I mean, funnily enough, um, around that time, as you probably know, I worked in Withenshaw. Yeah, and um, I mean, I find it quite interesting that there's. Kids I know what you're going to say there. here. I know what you're going to say. That that picture is taken probably at the height of punk. I was saying there's young. And kids what can there. you what can you see? Look at the trousers, Chris. Flares. Yeah, you can see some flares, and you can also see the cooler guys, and girls. I mean, that's the other thing. Can you see many girls? Yeah. So that's it. 
There are, there are a few. There are a few. You'll see some skinny jeans as well. Oh. Skinny jeans. Or and skinny trousers. The cool, the cool guys are wearing shades, aren't yeah. they? They're wearing yeah. shades and like uh, leather bomber jackets. But um, one of the best punk gigs I ever went to, it was, um, and I really uh, think you need to check these people out. It was, it was at the Free Trade Hall and it featured the Tubes. I've got three Tubes albums there. You can pick them up for a fiver each. I mean, show Russell that first Tubes album. The one where they're all looking very sexy. Yeah, I mean, what a freaky. What a freaky bunch. Hold it up. That, that guy, the main guy, right up front, he was called Fee Waybill. And the Tubes, that was their big song at the time. It was called White Punks on Dope. Yeah. I mean, so, so when we're definitely making me curious, I want to listen to it. So when when we finish tonight, check out. In fact, we'll do the outro. White punks on dope, but the tubes were full American, you know, Californian, and they were basically theatrical. There are probably I don't know at least fifteen people on stage, and that fee way bill. He'd actually seen. Um, you remember I mentioned the New York Dolls. Yeah. He actually had a character based on the New York dolls. He, he made these bloody silver high-heeled boots of, out of Coke cans. And he <laughs> had um, an outfit made of um, silver foil. And that's, that's what he, he sang White Punks on Dope. But what, what was interesting, you can see from that second album, which I think is called Remote Control. Don't forget, this was 77. They had banks of TV screens on stage. Yeah, that would have been quite innovative at the time. And you love this, Russell. One of the songs, he was brandishing a chainsaw. You like that. That finished him off in the end. They played, uh, I think, Hammersmith Pally a year later, and he fell off the stage with the chainsaw. I was going to say, literally, is that what you meant? And he reparably broke his leg in about five places. Oh, God. And the other thing was, I know Meatloaf had a bit of it, but the gig I saw... He actually had a bloody motorbike on stage, revving huh. it up. You know, 1,000cc Harley, I think it was. You know, the girl on the back with... Uh, but it's re re they were really good. But all my friends had gone along to watch the tubes. But, and if anybody who was around in that era is listening, they're going to be really envious about this. The support band were called Wire. And Wire, I, I, I can remember it distinctly. I was not much interest in them. It's full house, you know, you're talking, I know there must be five, six hundred people there, maybe fewer. And I, I was one of the people right up at the front of the stage and Wire started playing. I was absolutely entranced by them. <laughs> I was absolutely en entranced. Um, they, um, the big thing was um, their songs lasted a minute or a minute and a half or two minutes um that kind of thing um and they were what were called art punk if you want so th three of them had actually been to art college. i was literally about to ask that did art they go college. to art college and, and, and they, they their album i'd love to get their album you can probably get a copy of it the original i think would be very expensive uh 21 songs on the album. That's two sides, obviously. And do you, do you, know, how, do you know what the playtime is of both sides? 21 songs. 
21 minutes. 21 songs. It's a bit more than that. 36, that 36 minutes. But check it out. Uh, that, that, was, that was another punk experience for me. So I'm, I'm tying it down here for you. I didn't quite finish telling you. I, I worked in Withenshaw. Do you know Withenshaw much? Yeah. yeah. You do? Right. Well, there was a band around here. They were really big. They were called Slaughter and the Dogs. Great, great name, isn't it? Slaughter and the Dogs. And um, one of the kids I was teaching uh, was, their dad was the brother of somebody in the Slaughter of the Dogs. Hmm. So I got free tickets to go and watch Slaughter and the Dogs. Oh, nice. And that was heavy, because they were awful. They, they, yeah, they, <laughs> they really were amateurish, you know what I mean? It was uh, The only other time I went there, who did who did I see? It was another. Um, is it one of those nights where you had three bands playing, uh, and it cost you? Don't forget, this is seventy seven. The entry fee, even on a three band night, was um, seventy five. The prices were between seventy five p and one pound fifty. Wow! Yeah? It's amazing, isn't it? Um, and and the band I remember. We're called Dr. Filth. The only, the only way I've remembered them is because of their name. I mean, funny thing is, I, I was sitting there yesterday and I, and I thought, you know, the Sex Pistols, it's a bloody brilliant name. You work it out. You've obviously got sex, which speaks for itself, and then you've got pistols, which is violence, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, just as a matter of interest, I, um, I typed in... Um, 50 best punk names and uh, th these are the ones that came up see which ones you like Narwhals Petrol Girls Shit Presents that's quite good isn't it The Deadites The Dissociates The Yorkshire Rats Leatherface Rancid Ah, I know Rancid You know Rancid yeah. but, but that's what I wanted to ask you I was looking at this and I thought well they've got Dropkick Murphys here so yeah. what, what I was going to ask you was, are the Dropkick Murphys a punk band or are they punk influenced? Um, I would say they fall into the category of like what you would call Irish punk, but they probably would fall under punk. Oh, okay. But once again, they're actually they're, they're probably one of the few that I, that I would say that I like. Oh, like a folk punk. Yeah. Like the Pogues. Yeah, essentially, but maybe a bit more... Dirty, like you say, in a way, like heavier, like the lyrics yeah. will be a bit more heavier, yeah. Yeah, less yeah. Fam family friendly than the Interesting, there'd be a lot of swearing. Yeah. Stuff. You wouldn't take your kids along. No. We, we wouldn't take um, my <laughs> grandchild along there, can you imagine? And the other bands I, I would have seen quite often who, if we're talking the Manchester punk scene, I think you would describe them as punks, where the fall. Mm. Have you heard of the fall? Yeah. The um the main man, I mean what a character. He was called Mark E. Smith. <laughs> it's well worth checking him out, you know, his background. He started off as a kind of a shipping clerk in, in at Salford Keys docks as it would have been. But he was one of these guys. He he really you know, he wanted to say something and he, he didn't care what what it took. And if you look at the fall, I've probably seen them probably at least half a dozen times. It was a different band every time because he fell out with everybody. <laughs> but um, another place 
I think I think it's still open now. It kind of sporadically closes. I, I've seen I've seen the fall at, at a few venues, um, but I mainly th- remember them at the band on the wall. Have yeah. you heard of that yeah, band on still. the wall? I've seen them there because um, at the time I, I was living with a, a guy, and uh, he um, it was my birthday. This was obviously a few months later, and he actually. Um, bought a poster for me because we used to buy each other little presents oh, and it was much more civilised. This poster was incredible. It was one of those embossed silver, you know, sort of, sort of silver paper. And it's a picture of a, of a human being with um, literally a, a hammer for a head. Do you know what I mean? He actually went up to Marky e. Smith and got him to sign oh. it and Marky e. Smith kind of insulted him in some way. But, he signed it anyway. <laughs> I used to have that until certainly when I knew your mum. If you had that framed and sold it, no, I mean, I'm not saying it'd be worth a lot, but it was it was quite iconic, and so I've seen I've seen before. So what what you had was a very close relationship between Manchester bands and and the London Brothers. But what what I think you you need to remember, um, you you had also at the same time other musical genres going on. Quite happily, I was looking at the uh, you know the Apollo, yeah. mm-hmm. the Apollo. I was, I was thinking um, I, I've been to the Apollo and um, around the time you, you you're talking nineteen seventy eight, and at the Apollo you would have you the Stranglers played there. I, I missed the gig. I would have re- loved to have seen it. You had somebody called Richard Helen, the Voidoids, played. That's a great name. That's a good name. I like that one. And the Damned. But at the same time, you you would have had Genesis playing there. You would have had Cher playing there, and so on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And the other thing, I'll get onto it next time. You had um, reggae was quite big, hmm. and. Um, I, I was, I guess I was fortunate in some ways. I had um, a couple of uh, girlfriends who had black boyfriends, West Indian boyfriends, and uh, I used to occasionally go with them to these reggae gigs. I remember me talking to you about the PSV club, and um, there was another place uh, just down from university, I think it was Haversidge Road, and that, that was a Caribbean club, like a West Indian club, and they had a, a dub night. Here's a weird thing for you. I live a street over from Hamside Road. Did you? I'm now, currently, I live Do you? one street over. Wow. Well, you, you'll find around there, there were quite a few gigs, you know, venues. That were, yeah. I used to... Uh, the interesting thing is, I never felt threatened, by the way. It was really... Because I think one thing you've got to come on to, although punk was allegedly very violent, it, it was actually, if you're, if you're kind of on the inside, it was okay. So next time, I hope I've spoken to you about my actual experience. Yeah, there was, talking, there was a little bit more in there. Just talking the about podcast the podcast goes on, Chris. We're not, we're not going on a writer's strike. <laughs> just talking about the ethos. So, yeah, Iggy Pop played at the Apollo as well. Sure. So next time, I'll round off the punk stuff. And then I'll get into what, for me, was probably the most influential period, which was the kind of uh, really great music that arose from the detritus of the punk era. I'm talking, you know, talking heads and uh, Blondie, 
television, people like that. And you, you get a feeling that kind of punk had to happen to release that energy and push things to one side. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We do hope you enjoy it. I'm actually now sitting here two streets away from the West Indian Community Centre, which was mentioned in this week's episode and I actually walked past it this morning and it made me think there must be so many places that we walk past every day that have some form of connection to our parents that we don't actually know about. It was it's crazy to think that a place I walk past most days on my way into work and you know 40 years ago or so Peter was in there uh, listening to reggae bands, and now I live two streets away. It's absolutely crazy to think. Uh, I was also thinking about a good punk band name, and I've come up with this one, The Riot Renaissance. I quite like that one. It marries kind of high art and kind of punk. I wonder what type of music they would play. Let us know. And if you've got a good punk band name, let us know as well. And you can contact us always, a pint with Peter at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us, or X us, what is it now, um, at A Pint With Peter. And I guess, on to the next one. <laughs>